Podcast. Can you still love me? Will you fall out of love with me? That was his fear. And I, I'm so in love with this guy. And that's why I stayed this whole time, you know? So even though I wasn't getting sex, which happens a lot, you can still be in love and you're like holding out hope. You're praying, God, please. Like that was me in my bedroom at night. God, please. And I would just cry and cry and feel the, the deepest rejection and abandonment issues when my husband was right freaking near me, right next to me. Welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna Podcast. This podcast is meant to encourage you to connect within so you can share your light with the world. And now, here's your host, Harrison Ma. Harrison Ma. Harrison Ma. Good morning, evening, afternoon, beautiful souls. Welcome to another episode of the Cosmic Love Antenna. I'm your host, Harrison, here today, as always, with a beautiful, powerful guest and conversation to bring you as we connect inwards to our self-love, self-connection, so we can express our beautiful light outwards. And today, I am bringing on another repeat guest and Heather Tucker, who, if you've watched and listened and tuned into the first episode we did together is a beautiful Christian sexologist. And today we, the chat that we had was so riveting, so powerful, so needed in my opinion that straight after the first recordings, okay, let's do, let's do another session. Let's book another session. And here we are, here we are now. So I brought on Heather to go a bit deeper into all things, sex and religion and sexuality, sensuality, and how the religious sort of mindset and perspective factors into it. So Heather, welcome back to the Cosmic Love Antenna. I am so, so excited to be back with you, Harrison. This has been such a great experience for me getting to know you and and for your listeners to be getting to know my story. It's just, I just feel so, you know, thankful and grateful that that you've invited me back. Uh, It's my pleasure, my friend. And, you know, the, I, the reason, one of the reasons I love connecting with people on this, on this platform that I'm having so much fun building is connecting our hearts to the vocations that we're doing, right? And the vocation that you have and the service that you do in the world is so, in my opinion, and I'm, maybe other people disagree, but in my opinion, it's so needed. So we could, we're going to keep continuing having these chats, I'm sure, into the, into the future because the work that you stand in, the, the work that I do meshes so well together. So it's my pleasure, my friend. So where I want to start this conversation, first of all, I would say to people, Actually, at the time of this recording, I haven't released part one, but as you are listening to this, it will be released. So go back to listen to part one with myself and Heather. In that episode, we talked about sex and religious views. We talked about orgasms. We talked about sex with God. We talked about trauma and moving the orgasms. I know it sounds amazing, right? Go back and watch it. But today we're going to continue the chat and we're going to go to some other areas that I know that. Heather, you have experience with, I have experience with, and I know it's going to give a lot of value to all of the beautiful listeners in the listening lounge in the podcast universe. So let's begin, Heather, with the, the topic and category of sexless marriages that I know you have both professional experience with, with the people that come to see you and personal experience. So let me throw you the mic and we'll, and we'll start with there and we'll flow from that. Yeah, and it's it's not something that um, that I'm happy about. <laughs> I mean, when I got married, I thought, man, I'm going to have all the sex I want, Harrison, because <laughs> you know how God in the Bible is, it blesses, you know, uh, marriages, and His ideal, you know, is is for marriage, you know, to wait until we get married. Not all of us choose it. I didn't. I was very promiscuous before. So I did carry around some guilt and shame. I thought once I got married, that guilt and shame would go away and I'd be like, woohoo, you know. As if it would just magically just disappear like fairy dust. Yeah, that did not happen. Uh, also, what what I saw did not happen was all the sex that I thought was going to happen. And um, no one really talks about like a normal amount of sex. Well, Heather, let me, let me jump in there. I have a question with that. So from a Christian and just so to remind people, the denomination within Christianity that you grew up in was Baptist, right? Yes. Southern Baptist. Southern Baptist. Yep. So my question is very, very legalistic. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Very (laughs) putting it nicely. (laughs) 
the and I say that with love, of course, if you're listening, I say that with love. My question, Heather, is it, within your within your denomination and your and the religious teachings, is there teachings around what you just said? Is there teachings? Yes, there's, there's teachings around what to do before marriage, but as you get into marriage, is there teachings around the sexual act and what it looks like? No. No, all, all that is basically preached is don't have sex before you get married. And I heard growing up, you'll find out when you get married, you know, you'll understand when you get married. And, you know, obviously that wasn't good enough for me. So I went out and did a lot of experimenting, <laughs> you know, but no, there's no teaching. Uh, there's no regular conversation around once you get married, here's what the sex life will probably look like. Some people might want it once a week. Some people might want it every day, a couple times a day. So I had no preface of what it actually looked like. I just thought that we would have it multiple times a week. That's in my brain. I'm thinking that's what was normal for me <laughs> in my brain, yep. Yep. not understanding that for my husband's brain, it was less than what I wanted, you know, and so those kind of conversations didn't even come up in our premarital counseling, like nothing. I just wasn't prepared, you know, for what the actual reality of a sex life as a Christian woman, you know, or for like. him as a Christian man, like that just wasn't brought up at all. And I do feel that this needs to be talked about way before you get married. Not only so you have, you know, the proper uh, expectations, because some of us, go way overboard with our expectations. And we put that pressure on our spouse and it pushes them away from wanting to have sex and all the things. So if we had more of these conversations and they were normalized, uh, I think we could actually avoid some of us getting married to the wrong person even mm -hmm. because if the sex drives aren't going to match up and yeah, you might love him and all of that. But I mean, are you truly going to be satisfied and content and happy and, and not feeling frustrated or not feeling rejected or, or left out or undesired or whatever, if you're not getting it as much as you think that, you know, you should have. So I love where we're starting with this, Heather. And I would encourage people to, if you haven't listened to the first part of our interview together in that session, we also talked about the role of the masculine the masculine energy within both men and women within a sexual act. And it's, it's about balance. It's about balance between the masculine and feminine within each individual. And it's this education around sex and what it looks like in a partnership, you know, religious or not, I think it's needed. So that balance can be walked, right? So we feel connected. We feel equal. We feel essentially alive, I have a, something else bubbled up that you said before, Heather, and it's that you said guilt and shame. Yes. Do you think, explain the guilt and shame around the, the parameters of, of the, how much sex should or shouldn't be happening in the marriage. Do you think, what, what was the origin of that, if you had to explain it? Well, for me personally, my guilt and shame came from uh, having sex before I got married. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I was taught my whole life to stay a virgin and, you know, to live celibate, abstinent, all that, you know, until I got married. So because of that choice and because I was taught that God says, you know, that we should not have sex. And so I felt like I was breaking a rule, disappointing God. And that is where my personal guilt and shame, you know, came from. And so it was almost like once I got married, do I even deserve to have as much sex as I want? Because I disobeyed you so for so many years, God, like, can, can I, can our marriage even be blessed? So I did carry that around for probably the first, I don't know, maybe year or two of our marriage. And Heather, what does that look like in terms of, are you still within the, the Southern Baptist Baptist denomination? Oh. Or, yeah, yeah, I mean, um, I, I still love Jesus and I, uh, you know, I'm not connected to a, a physical location church right now since COVID. I just haven't gotten back in, but I do still have my relationship with God, Jesus. I read my Bible, do all the studying, listen to worship music, all that. But no, if I if I had to identify with anything, I would say it would probably be more of a progressive Christian mindset. Yeah, so that I'm more open, you know, to sexual things and 
uh, and really how God designed it to be anyways. It's just that in the legalistic church I was in, there was so much you can't, you shouldn't. And I just, you know, that leaves a person questioning themselves, questioning their sexuality and which happened with me. So for me, I would say definitely more progressive, uh, more open-minded, you know, to, to things. And we'll get, I want to get to that at the end of this chat because I want to talk about a future of what this looks like. But sure. just a step back of why I asked that question, Heather, is explain to people what it would look like in the Southern Baptist denomination. And maybe you could speak to some others that you've had experience with, with clients within under Christianity specifically. What, what, it would, what it would look like if you as, a, as the woman or the man had sex before marriage, got married, you're in, you're in now, now you're in a marriage with a man or a woman and you're, you're realizing that there is, there's not sex occurring and you have this guilt and shame, maybe around the sex before the marriage. What would it look like for you to go back to the church and share that experience with the, with the, with the priest or the person running the congregation? Um, that has not come up for me. So would it be difficult? I have, not, I have not had that experience, but if I had the, if I, if it was open to me yeah. and let's say, I don't know, I'll just make up a story. Let's say I was grocery shopping and I ran into the pastor that yeah. I grew up under yeah. <laughs> and here I am this freer spirit than I was as a young girl. You know, of course I would ask, you know, are you still a part of that church? Do you still hold those same beliefs? So I'd want to see where they're at. And then I would even just ask them if if they've heard of any of what I have experienced, because, uh, you know, maybe people left that church and never came back. And and that person didn't even have an idea of what type of, you know, negative programming they were even putting on, you know, their congregation. So, you know, I, I would be open to, uh, a talk, (laughs) you know, with that person. Would there be, I guess what I'm asking Heather, and thank you for going there. I guess what I'm asking, would there be pushback? Would you be seen, would there be a sort of open, loving reception for the choices that you've made around the sex? Or would you, would you, do you perceive that there would be challenge and difficulty in even having the conversation with someone within the church about this? I don't know. Today there still is. So, you know, in, in, in with you, the question that you asked, if I went back to that church, I don't even know where they're at, you know, these yeah. days. I don't know if they've opened, you know, their teaching up to where maybe they have more of a regular conversation around sex. But today, today, you know, in the church itself, whether it's Southern Baptist, non-denominational, whatever, Calvary Chapel, you know, I mean, there's so many different kinds of threads of the Christianity or different branches of the tree. <laughs> Um, it's still not talked about. So there's still the, the sex conversation is still not normalized. Yeah. You might hear a little bit more in like a small intimate group kind of atmosphere, but it's still not talked about, uh, in premarital counseling, the pastor is, it's still not something, you know, and so people are still carrying around questions yes. and they don't have answers, mm. no one to give them answers. Um, and that's still today, which, which does make my work so, so powerful and so, so needed, you know, on an individual level, just to tell a person, Hey, like your desires are so normal, you know, your desire to be sexual is so normal. Like people just need to hear it's normal. You're normal. It's normal. It's just, you know, not normalized, uh, in the church, as far as, you know, the, the teaching of it. Yeah, especially the emotions and the feelings around even the guilt and shame, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, I want to have another question for you here, Heather, Heather, but just to hit on this very quickly, that guilt and shame that you were talking about, one, if we don't talk, if we don't allow a space for it to come up, it's not going to just disappear like you experienced, right? We well, need, and some people don't know they have it, just yes. so you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's because it's just so, like you said, there's no normalization of the conversation itself. Right. So it's not, it's just holding right. there. And I, and I, and I emphasize this for people, you know, our, we, we are holistic beings, right? And if there is energetic, emotional stress that is ignored is still energetic and emotional stress. And that stress is impacting the body across mind, spirit, and, and, and mental, emotional architecture. So if you're the kind of person that is also suffering from, PCOS 
or infertility challenges, or, you know, if you erectile dysfunction, if you're a man or, you know, all of these womb sacral center areas, this guilty Not shame. Not being able to orgasm. Big one, a big one. These, these, these seemingly disconnected challenges are not around the guilt and shame. With that, Heather, I want to. What is some? They solution? can't. You know what, Harrison? Just to just yep. to stop you there. They can be. Yeah. They they can be the the cause from the the guilt and shame because ED. You know, if it's not physical, it it's an emotional, yeah. and so. You know, a lot of those issues you just brought up, PCOS, ED, you know, I talked about orgasms. Yeah. So we see an outward dysfunction. Our body's not working in some form of another, you know. Um, and so we think it's something medical a lot of times. And so here we're going to our medical doctor to try and figure out why can't I orgasm? Why can't my husband get his dick up? You know, and all these things. And once we go through all the blood work and and, you know, and then here are the prescribing medicine, of course, to try and fix you, which, of course, a lot of times you don't really need. Uh, and so what you might not realize for the listener that's listening, what you might not realize is if you grew up in the church, you might be carrying around guilt and shame around the sex that you don't even know you're carrying. And now it's actually coming up with these symptoms, with, you know, not being able to orgasm, not being able for your husband to get it up. And all of that. So I just wanted to stop you there because that's a very, very important uh, point for people to understand. Yeah. Could not have said it better myself, my friend. The body truly keeps score and it keeps score and gives communications in many different ways. And it's up to us to decipher and allow that communication to move through us. Heather, I want to give some solutions here now before we move on to the next sort of topic I want to hit on. Let's say we are in a in a sexless marriage. Let's say we we are a person of faith in a, in a this is any religion, just so people know. This isn't we're not just factoring, we're not just sort of putting our direction towards Christianity here. We're just speaking from that space because Heather, that is the that is the experience that Heather brings. But I'm interested, Heather, from your experience helping with people, if someone is in a sexless marriage that has a Christian background. What are some solutions? How do we help someone through this to to bring in more of this beautiful central act into their marriage? Yeah, well, first off, I'll just tell you that the sex stops after there's been some emotional stuff. So normally there are some emotional reasons behind the sex stopping. And for us, we live sexless for 12 years, right? Uh, a lot of that had nothing to do with the, the guilt and shame from the Christian faith, though. That that actually was only the first couple of years, and we were actually having sex then. So I was able to overcome that, you know, myself. Now, the, the sexlessness for us happened after we had a couple of miscarriages, and then we finally had our baby Josh, and, you know, my, I was ready to have sex again. My doctor's like, go! <laughs> and I was like, yes! And so I had actually uh, climbed on top of my husband, just like I had normal. That's what we normally do. And he actually picked me off of him and put me to the side. And I was very, very confused. I was very hurt. I felt rejected, you know, in that moment. And he just said, you know, he was tired or whatever. So then a couple of days later, I tried again. And same thing. He was either. So this went, this is the start yeah. of how it happened. It went on for weeks and months of Heather, him saying he. Let me he ask didn't you a quick good. question. Let me ask you yeah. a question with that. At that point of the you feeling rejected and and him obviously feeling something, was what was the communication like about the feelings? Was it? Yeah, was it I there? couldn't get anything from him. My husband is not a freaking talker. He's still like this, by the way. <laughs> and so for me, as a person who wears her heart on her sleeves, and I'm very you know capable of pulling out how I'm feeling and talking about it, you know, and stuff like that. My husband is not. And so at that time, I didn't actually understand that came from a lot of his own background. But when I was in it, it was very frustrating because I would say, what is happening? You know, uh, why are you like, because I, I had gained some weight. So I, my first thought was like, you know, is my body too big? You know, am I turning you off now? Is So I was looking at myself, like, what is it? And then I was like, what can I change, you know, to make this better? And because he wasn't giving me anything to work with, <laughs> I just would assume it must be my body. And so yes. I lost all my weight, which took me about a year. I lost over a hundred pounds. 
And then I, I still didn't see the sex start to pick up. So I'm like, what is even happening? So yeah, I had no problem asking him. He just would say, I don't know. I'm sorry. Like that's literally mm-hmm. all he would give me for all of that time. Very and, difficult. And, <laughs> and let me, let me jump in here, Heather. So I'm happy you're taking it in this direction because now we're, we're, we're getting into the emotional healing side of things. This is deep into the emotional healing. And I, I guess the first piece I want to add, if you're listening to this male or female, and you resonate with this, sit with this idea of communication. And maybe you're going to get into this, Heather, this idea of honest, but vulnerable communication. And I'll just speak from the masculine perspective, the man perspective. You know, I know there are a lot of limiting beliefs out there in the world, in the church and outside of the church that being a physical man and expressing your feelings and expressing the real truth and the vulnerabilities behind how you are feeling, it it can be seen as not manly, right? It can be seen Mm -hmm. as not a masculine trait. And from an energetic level, you could, there's, there's, there's a basis with that. Like the, the, the allowing, the flowing, the being, the, 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 the feminine sort of just, expression that is a, a energetic feminine trait but as a male as a physical male we have access to that and that that still makes us a man so uh, does this resonate heather does oh, yeah. this does this fit into the story yes well yeah because uh i didn't find out until years years later when we finally went to counseling after almost divorcing a couple times that it came out that chuck was scared to get pregnant, get me pregnant again, Mm. because he saw how hard it was for me to have those two miscarriages and everything that I went through with the loss and the weight gain. And, and he, by the way, trigger warning. Okay. But he actually had to dig the baby out of the toilet, the Mm -hmm. second one. And so I never saw it. So he was very, very traumatized. And he, of course, I'm sure didn't want to have to go, you know, through that again. So the avoidance of sex for him initially was because, you know, we finally had our, our miracle baby, Josh, and he's like, okay, now we actually have our, our baby together. Cause my two first kids are from my previous marriage. And so I just wanted to ha- have him experience a baby from like birth, you know, until like, you know, firstborn. And so, but he was like, okay, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> we're done. But also I don't want to have the surgery to actually say we're done. So his way of like the protecting not only himself, yes. but me was to not. And, and I don't think that he wanted to disappoint me by, by telling me like, I can't actually do this. And so his thing was just to turn this yeah. whole emotional stuff, you know, off. off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was still healing. He wasn't quite healed yet. I was not quite, you know, uh, healed yet myself. So it was, yeah. And so I see that now, you know, that this is how Chuck processes things. And so now I do have an understanding that, you know, we're not all going to process emotions the same way. Yes. Uh, just because I'm always ready to talk doesn't mean he's always going to be ready to talk. And there's a lot that I've had to learn about how to be a wife yes. and how to give someone that doesn't know how to communicate as well space to think process, come up with their own, you know, theories and perceptions and, and, and beliefs and, and take that time to be ready to then come to you and and actually have a conversation. So we're much, much better with, with this type of uh, conversation than we were uh, in the past. And it's, it's interesting. It goes back to your uh, point earlier when you're talking about the educational process within the church itself, you can imagine if this kind of structure was in the church context where there was this education around communication, uh, how, how our emotions and our energetics impact our sexual function, the idea of holding loving space, as you just said, for your partner to express themselves, even if that expression is vulnerable and difficult, you can imagine how this would set up people to, and, and you know, and I, I don't think we need to have a life devoid of challenge and pain. That's why we're here but it would help people understand when they did get to that pain, they would have these tools. They would have these, right. this toolbox of what to do. And I just want to, one more thing I want to hit on here before we shift into another topic. I want to 
just connect again to that sacral center, that sexual sensual center. One of the main roles and one of the first things that developed in the sacral is our feeling, our feeling and emotional body. As our chakra system evolves as we develop and our relationship to our emotions, our relationship to our feelings is connected to that sacral. So in your example, in your example, Heather, when, when, when your partner was not leaning into that part of themselves, of course, a side effect of that would be, would be sexual, a sexual challenge because it's the same place right it's the same mm-hmm. center so i just want to make sure people hear that that an inability to feel safe enough to express our emotions and our feelings this it's not a different thing to the sexual act it is part yeah, of the sexual act does that resonate mm-hmm. my friend yes yeah. yeah it does so i want to switch gears here now to another topic that I want to, that I know you have experience with, and I myself too, I want to speak to this. And it's this idea of open relationships and experimenting with other partners. And, and I, I don't know the dynamic and I want to hear it, Heather, that you experienced through, but I'm wondering now, I'm wondering where this came into your journey within your marriage, pre-marriage, whatever section it was at. And I'm wondering, you know, how this factors in to the chat that we've had thus far and what are, what are your thoughts on both open relationships and polyamory in general? Yeah. Well, you know, of course I grew up <laughs> with the thought that you don't cheat, you know? And so, you know, I kept my, you know, here we are not having sex. Okay. I'm a very sexual being. We're all sexual beings. Sometimes we're in tune with it. Sometimes we're not. I was always in tune with it, you know, since I was a kid, like I just, I mean, that's what we talked about last time is like, I just knew, felt it inside from like fourth grade. I mean, I just felt it, you know, <laughs> I felt the energy, but, you know, uh, being taught that that's you normal, by the way, just, yes, just so it people, is, it that's is normal. Keep yes, <laughs> actually in the womb, which we can talk about, but babies masturbate in the womb. So look it up. It's on Google. There's a whole doctor thing. So anyway, Uh, so when I was going through this, I was like, how am I supposed to deal with all of this sexual energy? And now it's been so long. I've had no release because, you know, during that time, uh, I didn't allow myself to tap into self-pleasure and masturbation. So there was really a lot of buildup. Now, years into this, I'm dreaming sex dreams all the time. There's all these different scenarios of of sexual acts that are happening in my dreams that I never would probably open myself up to in person, (laughs) but it was just so much in there and it was coming out in my dreams. And then of course I was tense all the time and uh, not feeling love, feeling rejected and all of that. Again, the body coming in. mm -hmm. So I had had a couple conversations with Chuck, like, I'm not happy. This needs to change. He's like, I know. I don't know what to do. I'm sorry. All of that. Okay. We had gone to counseling for a couple months. It did help to at least open up some of those conversations. So I'm definitely pro-counseling. When both parties are ready, which Chuck was not, I forced him. <laughs> so <laughs> definitely need to have those kind of conversations. Uh, but when we came back home and he said, we can do this by, by ourselves. And my brain, I was like, yeah, but it's been almost 12 years and we haven't. So let's just see. So then he went right back, like a couple of weeks after counseling, right back to the same pattern of not, you know, approaching me for sex and saying no when I needed it and all that. And so I said, okay, like you're, this is happening. Like what's, what are we going to do? And so he told me, I did not bring this up. He told me, that at his work, there was somebody that was in the same situation as us. The husband didn't want it. She did. And uh, she had somehow discovered something called an open relationship, which I'd never even heard of before. How, how, and so Heather, my, just, just so I know, how old are you at this point? What's your, where oh, are you? This at? was just, this was like early 40s. So this was okay. just not that long ago. Yeah. I, I'm almost 49. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Keep going. Um, so, yeah. So he told me about it and he's like, what if, you know, you can go out and get your needs met sexually. And then, you know, you still come back to me for the marriage and the love. And and, and he's yeah. like, can you still love me? Will you fall out of love with me? That was his fear. And I, I'm so in love with this guy. And that's why I stayed this whole time, you know? So even though I wasn't getting sex, which happens a lot, 
you can still be in love and you're like holding out hope. You're praying, God, please. Like that was me in my bedroom at night. God, please. And I would just cry and cry and feel the the deepest rejection and abandonment issues when my husband was right freaking near me, right next to me. And I'm crying like, please, please, please. You know, let me, let me jump in here, Heather. So, and for him to say that to you, right. For him to say it just to sort of, you know, maybe in the future we'll bring both of you on because I'd love to hear, I'm sure that you've shared the story before with him in other spaces and he's shared it, but, and from his perspective, I'm just imagining him saying this, saying this to you, you know, go, go spend time, go, go meet your needs somewhere else, but come back to me for the love as I can imagine myself in that scenario. And I, you know, and we'll probably get to this and I've been in that scenario. It, that's a lot that takes a lot, right. In this society where, you know, and this is a, this is another limiting belief as a male, we can attach our sexual, our sexual interactions, our sexual prowess, our sexual ability, our sexual interactions to our sense of worth for him to say that to you and still be in that space of love. is quite, it's a lot. That's, that's a big, would you agree? That's a big thing to say from his perspective as the man. I'm sure that it, I'm sure that it is, but at that time I was just so done that I didn't even yeah. think about him. I yeah. was like, we're going to even we're solving this or I'm leaving. That was, that yeah. was where we were at. And so I think for him, uh, it was more like, I don't want her to leave, you know, and I want to save, you know, what yeah. we have. And, you know, he's always been a, such a great provider and he always wants to make me happy. And he's like, if this will make you happy, then, you know, let's open the, this up. And, and, and it was more like a test, you know, let's see how it works, you know, kind of a thing. And, uh, you so know, how, and we how put did some, it go? Heather? Well, we put some parameters around it, you know, so I, 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 it was nice to feel like I didn't have to sneak around. That's, that's because I don't like that feeling uh, of cheating, you know, and the feeling of hiding it and being secret and not yeah. getting found out and, yeah. and all that. Was, I didn't, I didn't want. There was open um, permission and communication about it. Yeah. So because I felt like I had, you know, given permission, I had to kind of full reign of <laughs> Uh, whatever I wanted to do. And so he just wanted to make sure I was safe. And so he had me turn on the, the, the tracker thing on my phone. So he always knew like where I was, he didn't want to know who it was. You know, he didn't really want to know like what we actually did, Mm -hmm. but he could see, especially in the beginning, because (laughs) in the beginning, because I, it had been so long, like, dude, I went freaking crazy. Like I was like, you know what I mean? Like I, I actually started to feel alive again. Was it one and, uh, and Heather, just so I be keeping people up with the story. Was this when you went out to, to have your needs met? Was this with, were there multiple people? Was it just one no, person? No, just one, just, just one. one. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I'm too nervous to do that. <laughs> the, whole, the whole group thing still. Um, no. So it was just, it was one person. And, uh, it was kind of funny too, because I already knew who that I wanted to actually meet up with because, you know, before this actually happened, men were already reaching out to me on social media and we were kind of flirting here and there, but I never actually took it, you know, further than that. So when, when Chuck gave me permission, I already knew I was like, dude, I already know like who I'm going to reach out to, which I did. And, um, very open, this person, you know, um, and he really helped to wake me up. Like Mm. I, I actually felt like I was coming back to life, not even realizing that I was dead before, Mm. but now because I had was having this experience, I realized that I was, I was literally emotionally and sexually dead and just existing. And Mm. this person helped to open, open me up. Allow you, know, you to be again. normal. And yeah. And the sex was, of course, freaking bomb. Uh, it was amazing, amazing, amazing. The only thing that I noticed that was happening was I wasn't orgasming all the time with this extra person. Mm-hmm. Now, I was pretending, yeah. which I, we, I talk a lot about faking. I've never had to fake it with Chuck. All the years we were married, literally, I, yeah, we'll talk about this, but literally I always orgasm with Chuck always. 
So for me to not be able to have an orgasm when I was used to having regular orgasms, when we did have sex, it was weird. I'm like, why am I not able to orgasm? You know, and I get all up in my head and and all of that. There was a a handful of times when, when I did, but it was, I was really relaxed and we had more time and I didn't feel the pressure to come back home. And, and then this person I was with, didn't feel like he was in a hurry to go back to his whatever life, you know, and, and stuff. So. And let me, let me jump in here, Heather. So I have a theory here. I have a theory with this, and this is actually where I wanted you to go. And I'm happy that, that thanks. So first of all, thank you for sharing that story. And I hope the listeners are tuning in and really connecting to your vulnerability. And just a quick question, Heather, do you share that with clients? Do you share that with people that come to see you, yep. that story? Yep. Yeah. I feel yeah. It. Part I, of my program is a, a whole section is on yeah. open relationships. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. I can feel it because it's powerful. So a couple of things I want to just bring the listener's attention back to something we talked about in the first session, our first recording together. And it's this idea that sexual energy is creation energy. And we, as, as human, as spiritual beings, having a human experience, we are made of creation energy. So when you're describing this feeling of deadness, I, I think it's a very apt, it's a very apt description because when we are not leaning into our deservedly powerful, sensual, sexual energy, we're cutting out a big piece of what we actually are. And it's very, we need to be mindful of this as, as, as individuals with self-pleasure and also in relationships, right? We need to create the space for the sexual being to come out. That is why, and you, you connected to this before with the masturbation in the womb, right? Sexual, sexual acts and self-pleasure and sensuality is a part of our development. It's a part of mm-hmm. our childhood. It's part of the inner child. It's all of those things. But Let's hit on the orgasm element here with the with the open relationship and and I want to I want to test a theory. I'm gonna I'm gonna share my experience here with you, Heather, and then I want to pass it back to you to see your thoughts. So I too have had experience with open relationships and and and, and polyamory, multiple partners at the same time. And you know, maybe people listening have have read the book Sex at Dawn, and I think there is a conversation to be made around our evolutionary pattern as a human and how when we used to live in tribes and and communities back in prehistoric past a big part of those dynamics were multiple partner relationships however what i often feel that these kind of chats overlook is the deep spiritual connection we have with someone who we're intimate with at a very deep level and when you're in an open relationship and a polyamorous dynamic with multiple partners, I'm not saying that this is not possible. I'm not saying it's not possible to reach a very deep and powerful spiritual, sensual connection with all of them, but it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of communication. It takes a lot of holding space. And that is what I experienced. I experienced in my journey that while I think the polyamorous open relationship can work, when we get to spend time with a one partner, we really get to invest our love with them. And that love and that dynamic gets to go deep. And in the last podcast, we talked about how when you're in a sexual act, you can actually bring God in. And it's a way that we can connect to God. And that takes time in my experience. So I'm wondering, I want to pass back to you, Heather. Do you think this plays a role? Do you think that the reason that the orgasm was challenging is because that deeper sensual spiritual level, you know, you'd obviously got to it with your your with Chuck, but with this new person, you weren't there. Hmm. Well, I didn't feel safe with this guy. So I, I already know that's why I was having a struggle. Yeah, the, this person, and and so because I only had had one person, I mean, this went on for nine months. And by the time nine months came, I was like, mm-mm. Yeah. I'm done. So, you know, and, and so maybe if I had had a different personality that I was, you know, trying to tap into, maybe this would have been different, but this particular man, uh, he was very toxic Mm. and I, and I knew that already going in, but because he was the person that I imagined and he was in my dreams and, you know, I'd already like been thinking about it. Like I just went for it knowing and understanding that I was opening myself up to this toxicity And so there were times when he would be 
really angry and talking about his life and all of that. And then he would kind of calm himself down, never took it out on me or nothing, but it was just like, that's how he expressed his, his own life through anger. Uh, and so then he would calm down and then we would be, you know, going and having sex. So yeah. I never, I never really felt relaxed and I, yeah. And I just didn't, I never felt safe. I'm like, is this person going to start behaving in this way? <laughs> Like while we're actually in the act, you know, of sex, um, but because he was the person that seemed to want me yeah. and and was open to it again, because I was in this desperation mode, yeah. uh, I did become addicted to him, to him actually wanting me, to him mm. being the one to reach out to me, and 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 him actually seeming to desire, you know, me, and because I was desperate for that from my husband. And I wasn't getting that. It was very easy for me at that time to go yeah. down, you know, that path. And became and it became a toxic loop. And it became yeah. No, it really, really did. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's interesting. You said safe, and well, I talked about the sacral chakra before. And what is the chakra that precedes the sacral? Is the root? What is the main foundation of the root center? It is your safety and security. So you can't even get to that sexual feeling, sensual center, if that safety and security is not there. So yeah, it makes, total, it makes total sense yeah, to me, my friend. Sense. Yeah. Um, Heather, I want to switch gears here now to another topic I want to hit on with you. And I love you very much. I'm enjoying this chat and I'm so happy that <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I love you too. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I, when I first started this podcast, I didn't imagine where it was going to go. I had some ideas. And it's just so nice, this kind of dynamic that we're having is such a wonderful, important chat that I hope everyone's getting value out of. So I, the other topic I want to hit on with you here is jumping from a religious faith to atheism. And I think a big part of this, and I, I, I shared this with you right at the end of our last chat, this, I, this is the journey that I walked because of this uh, guilt and shame. And it was part of the sexual conversation, but it was a few other things. And I feel there are a lot of people out there that go through, that grow up in a religious household, that, that, that get exposed to some of the beautiful elements of a, of a religious faith, the mystical elements that we've talked about before. But then there's some kind of religious trauma and an example of it would be the sexual trauma, the sexual sort of ideology and the guilt and shame we've been chatting. And then that person, because they've been wounded and they don't know how to heal or they haven't had the experience and the availability to heal, they jump straight from religion and connecting to God to atheism. And, mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's this huge leap that I experienced. But we overlook that we're, we're skipping this connection to a higher power where this higher power doesn't need a religious lens to exist. So I guess the question I want to ask you here, Heather, is do you think there is a middle ground here? Do you think there is a middle ground that people can take that if they have moved through in your situation, maybe some sexual guilt and shame in a religious context, is there a step people can take before they jump straight to atheism and just, just devour it altogether? Is there steps that we can take in your perspective? Man, I wish so. You're making me cry right now because- yeah. There are so many people that I have met, especially on Clubhouse. You know, I mean, we, we've been on this Clubhouse app now. Uh, well, my 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 time is going to be almost a year. I don't know yeah. if you've around the hit, same. Did yep. you hit your year already? Yep. Yeah, around okay. the same. Yep. So, a lot of conversations I've been in, a lot of rooms. I've been a part of several summits, uh, orgasm. Now, you know international orgasm day. I mean, all, all these different places where I'm meeting up with other like-minded uh, individuals that are also helping people with their sexuality and listening to their stories. Okay. Seriously. There was like seven of us this one time uh, in a, a summit about orgasms. <laughs> we we're sharing different aspects of orgasms. And I was the only one that is still in the church yeah. that still holds God and the relationship with God to the high regard, all those other uh, people 
uh, walked away and now they literally talk negative stuff about, you know, not just church, you know, but God himself. And they, they even have gone as far as denying the fact that, that God made them and, and all, all of that, you know? And so it saddens me. It breaks my heart. But I think because there is no middle ground and, and no one really speaks on it and there's really no help for a situation like this, you no. know, uh, they just assume in their minds that I need to get as far away from this pain as possible. Yeah. And what that looks like and what makes sense to me is, you know, atheism. Yeah. So, you know, maybe you can talk a little bit more on on your experience with that. But I have I have definitely seen it uh, a lot yeah. And I get goosebumps and I agree with you. And it's, it is, it saddens me too. And just to be very clear for maybe people that don't know, I, I wouldn't count myself as religious, but I would count myself as very spiritual. And I believe in God and my, my relationship with God, I actually came back to, I, I sort of replaced the word God with unconditional love or love. And that is my higher power. And I, I went through that experience that you just talked about. I went through that experience of growing up in a, in a religious structure. I went to religious school. I went to church. I did all of the, um, I forget what they're called now, the, the Christian rites, like the, the, the baptism, the confirmation, all the things. Mm-hmm. And because of, and it wasn't sexual uh, trauma, but it was some other kinds of just intense indoctrination. I was forced to the atheism side because I just thought, I couldn't disconnect, and this is what we talked about in the first session. I couldn't dis- disconnect the man-made indoctrination that seeped has seeped into the church that has mm. overrided the beautiful mystical spiritual foundations of all religions, not just Christianity here. Every single religion has this beautiful spiritual mystical foundation. And because there are so many, in my opinion, there are so many man-made rules such as the one yes. we've been talking about today around sexual expression and sexual identity and guilt and shame and sexless marriages, all the things I think as a young person, and this is my hypothesis as a young person, because we're not taught about this. It's so easy for us to be like, Oh, this is just a religious thing altogether. This is, this is a God thing altogether. So the easiest way to disconnect me and heal from this trauma means I need to just get rid of all of it. And mm unintentionally and I, and I feel these people and I, they're, they're doing it for the be, for the most best reasons because I don't want to be hurt anymore right I feel right. it I understand it but they're unintentionally cutting themselves out from a fundamental truth and that fundamental truth is that God is in each and every one of us God we are not separate from God we are God in many ways and and I won't get off on this tangent but I guess what I'm trying to say here is, I would encourage people that, and this is my tip and I'll see how it resonates for you, Heather. My tip would be speak about it more, right? We talked about how in the relationship that you have with your partner within the sexless uh, sort of perspective, the communication was the first step. And then there was the holding space and then there was the emotions flowing and all of it. So I'd encourage people that have been through this process to find a safe space where you can express this, this experience because there is a, not only when you do that, will it start to heal you in itself, but most likely you'll find other people that have been through this, other people yeah. that have been through the same thing. Do you agree, mm-hmm. Heather, with this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if more of us even went to our pastors and told them about the pain that was caused by what they heard or experienced or someone in the church or, you know, I, I think that uh, we could actually, you know, <laughs> address it right away. And, and maybe some of these pastors aren't, aren't, you know, aware of, of some of these hurts that are happening in the church, yeah. because maybe people don't feel safe with talking. Maybe they're yeah. embarrassed about the situation, like whatever it is. But I mean, the pastors that I've been under when I have had conversations with them and I've taken them off of the pedestal, because yeah. that is something that, uh, that I used to do is I'm like, Ooh, pastors kind of like God, I don't even know if I got an open door to even talk to them. So I can't even like share any of this kind of stuff. (laughs) And I think a lot of us uh, feel like that, even with our political leaders. I think we put so many people that shouldn't even be on a pedestal where they're not approachable in our mind. And I think that they are more approachable 
honestly, Harrison, I I see this because I believe in God. And I so if you believe in the good and, and there's got to be the evil side, right? So yeah. I believe in God, then there's Satan. This is, this is my belief. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that Satan gets us right where he wants us to, to pull us further and further away from God's best plan, you know, for us. And that's what I have seen in my life. And so if we if we can understand that sometimes, you know, some of these things that we're experiencing are just where Satan wants to get us to so that we can step away from from God's love, step away from our sexual identity that God originally created us from, then he can put us in a very dark place. That's where that's where he wants us to be is in a very dark place instead of living in the light that God originally created us for us to all experience, which like you said, God is love. So, I mean, you're separating yourself literally from the definition of love by by walking away from your creator, the person yeah. who, who created you from love. Yeah. You know, you came through your parents' love, you know? Uh, so uh, that's my perspective on that. <laughs> it's beautiful. I love it, Heather. And I would encourage people that find themselves in that darkness that you just talked about, whether it's Satan or whatever your views are of it, you know, see why that darkness is there and see how it can help you back to the light, right? Because we do live in a, in a universe of polarity and right. If there is darkness, there's light. So the fact that you're in the darkness means there is a light possible. So don't become the victim of the darkness, see where you're at, why it's happening and shift into the opposite of it. I want to Heather now ask you a question with this. And you spoke about it before in sort of how you're living your life currently. You you are a religious woman, a woman of faith, but you are also a very sexual, sensual being. So the last question I want to sort of want to get in here, get into here with you before we finish up is projecting into the future, projecting into the future and looking ahead for people listening to give everyone this, this, this confidence and this, and this, and this inspiration going forward. I'm wondering, Heather, what do you see changing? What or what do you hope is going to change within, maybe within the church, right? Maybe within the the Southern Baptist or the other Christian denominations. One, do you think it's possible that there is a future in which we can hold a very powerful religious view and also have this powerful sensual sexual being, you know, acknowledged? Do you see that? moving forward. What is your perspective on this? Yeah, I sure hope so. <laughs> Me too. I mean, that, that's, that's why I've been called. I mean, I literally feel God calling me to this and it, it's scary for me, just so you know, even being on podcast or doing an Instagram live or whatever I'm doing, I feel the fear because yeah. I'm so used to it being a taboo stigma. So I'm, I myself have to do a lot of belief work. So even before yes. I hit play on anything I'm doing, I have spent some deep time, like deep time with God. I've gotten to the core, my center, and I I can feel the belief system that that needs to be, you know, where I need to be uh, before I actually start talking about it, because it's still such a a, a weird time, you know, but, but yeah. And my vision for the future, FYI, if anybody knows TD Jakes or Stephen Furtnick, Please reach out to me because I literally want to be on their couch having this conversation in front of like millions of their people. Who, who are they? So the those are been... two very famous pastors. You can find them on uh, on YouTube. They have real huge churches and they're more on the progressive uh, type of, mm. of, of side. And if I did live near them, that would be the church I would go to mm. <laughs> because I love them powerful. so much. Yeah. So. I love it. And, uh, you know, I hold this vision too, Heather, I I hold this vision too. And going back to what you said about, you know, standing strong in your faith and your belief systems, as you get out into the world to share these perspectives, I want to maybe explain that for people, because actually I was wondering that Heather, before we go on this chat, you know, posting, even posting some of these topics just on the social media platforms in itself, I think can be challenging due to the, censoring and the and the and the just sort of the <laughs> the sensitivity of the platforms in in general you and, don't even know how many times i've gotten restricted on my accounts because yes. of it so yes yeah i can imagine <laughs> i can imagine and 
I think a big part of this, just so people maybe have a foundation of understanding with this, if you've heard me talking on the podcast before, you've heard me discussing the inner child and the inner child is an archetype. An archetype is, is the language, the root language in which consciousness expresses through all of us, right? So we all have these archetypes. We have an inner child. We have an inner mother. We have a teacher. We have a student. We have a, you know, you, we ha- you get the idea. The, the archetype that is fundamental to all of them, that, we, that, is, that is probably archetype number one, is the archetype we have. It's called the Imago Dei or the, 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 the archetype with a higher power. With a with a with a with a with God with with the universe divine consciousness whatever your name is for it. So the wise, the reason I'm bringing this up, Heather, when you get onto Instagram or Clubhouse or wherever you're talking, and you and you're talking about you feel this you feel this you know resistance and this fear. It's because all of us, all of us have this dynamic within us. There are many of us that are, have it wounded as we've been discussing this whole past two sessions. And, and a lot of us have it unconsciously acting in the background. So even if we're not, you know, actively commenting or, you know, we talked about trolls the other week, the other session, Heather, even if you're not actively doing it, there is a part of each and every one of us that reacts to this kind of conversation because it's intrinsically a part of us. So does that make sense, Heather? Does that make sense? Yeah, what I'm and, and, and the temptation is to even preemptively protect ourselves because we we know what could come yeah. down the pipe, but then we push through it anyways because we feel that it's a, I it's must talk about this. I have to. Yes. And I would because encourage- people, Because people need to hear it. Yeah. I would encourage you, Heather, and I would encourage every single person listening that that fear that comes up around it is an illusion, right? That fear that comes up around it is just a, it's for many of us, it's a trauma response, whether yes. it's from this lifetime or, and that's the other side of this, this Amago day and this relationship with higher power and the trauma we have around it is, is like generations, right? Just think of how much, how historical the church has been in our human evolution. And if you think you have it bad right now in this existence, imagine what it was like to be a woman 300 years ago in the church, tuning into her sexual being, right? Just one example. Mm-hmm. So I love you, Heather, and I appreciate this chat that we've had today. I want to throw it back to you one more time to wrap up, you know, this, the first episode we did and the second episode, what are some, what are some messages of hope or some last final words that you want to add here for people tuning in to this conversation? I feel like we could keep talking about this for hours. It's, it's the, the hours go by so fast when I'm with you. Um, I would say that the main thing that's coming to me right now is, is understanding that there's a difference between God's love and human love. And so I think a lot of times we think what we need is from other humans and we think that they're going to fulfill what's missing in our lives, but you quickly find out like I did after the nine months of open relationship, it's not there. It's non-existent with another human. What we're really, really needing and what God is calling us to is his unconditional love. He literally is the only person that will completely fill up our missing spaces. And when we're out in the world trying to fill them up with other things, whether it's relationships, drugs, alcohol, you know, whatever, you're very quickly going to find it, it only is temporary. And then you need more and then you need more and then you need more. And it can become an addiction. You can even get addicted to people, friendships because you're looking to them to try and help you feel better (laughs) when really you you can just look inward. You have everything you need inside yourself right now. All you have to do is give yourself permission to, uh, to tap in. And and that would be my, my encouragement as we end out today. So beautifully said my friend. And I think that's a beautiful summary of the chats that we've had and your time with me here, Heather, Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having this chat with me. I hope it gave all the listeners out there in the listening lounge some value, some extra perspective. I hope it, if it triggered you, I'm happy. If it didn't trigger you, I'm happy. If it, if it brought up some love, if it brought up some anger, if it brought up some guilt and shame, 
then let's move through that. Let's move that through together. And it's people like the beautiful Heather and myself that are really making the intention to make that occur. So I love you very much, my friend. Thank you for being here. Beautiful listeners out there in the podcast world. Thank you for tuning in. I'm wishing you a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world. And we'll catch you next time here on the Cosmic Love Antenna. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Cosmic Love Antenna podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow Harrison on Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse at Harrison Ma. That's Harrison, M-E-A-G-H-E-R. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.